You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. Welcome to the show. It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us on an all-new episode of the Decoding Success Podcast, top-ranked show because of all of you amazing listeners who are continuously sharing this with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your mastermind groups, your group chats, and everything in between. Really so grateful for you tuning into this episode. If you're new here, you picked an amazing episode to tune into for the first time. We're joined by an amazing guest who means something really near and dear to me, especially over the past two months and listen we got connected only about two months ago maybe even less than that and this woman right here she's drastically transformed and helped me transform I'm the one that's taking the action she's guiding me through her experiences and her expertise and that's exactly what we're amplifying here to all of you today so today we are joined by my friend my coach Carla Royal who works with high achieving high performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with hidden anxiety overwhelm and mental chatter. She grew up in a family of anxious, stressed out people who looked good, capable, and just fine, but there was an undercurrent of unease. She said that her family tried many coping mechanisms to manage anxiety, but none offered consistent relief. Her path became about breaking through these patterns and helping others do the same. She helps her clients create more headspace, be less guarded, value mistakes, sleep better, find more meaning in life, be less judgmental, have more confidence, and lead more effectively. Now, her work as a coach is all about deep transformation that leads to consistent and sustainable change. And like I said, I'm doing this work with her on a weekly basis. And I'm telling you, growth is uncomfortable, but man, does it fucking feel good. And I am really excited to be able to amplify her wisdom, her experiences, her insights, everything about Carla to all of you that are tuned into this episode right now. So what I will say is make sure you're buckling up because there's a lot going down in this episode and it's a lot of shit that we really need to hear. But you want to know what? Sometimes we don't want to hear the shit we need to hear. So that's why I'm saying buckle up. There's a lot of value in this episode. And to that point, I want to influence you to make sure that you're sharing this with the people around you. Don't be selfish with things that are valuable. You have the opportunity to be a beacon of positivity a beacon of light and I want to make sure that you're tapping into that so if at some point something resonates with you in this episode and you're like you know what yeah it's time to share it you don't have to even stop listening to share it that's how powerful these devices we have in our hands maybe you're listening from your laptop in the car wherever you are I would suggest if you're driving don't share anything don't pick up your phone you could do it later but with that said I am really excited to bring to you our friend Carla Royal Carla I have to say, I am excited for all of the episodes, but this one in particular, as you have been helping me make major breakthroughs in my life, and I am the utmost confident you will be doing the same for the individuals listening to this and the ones that are connecting with you after. So I want to say thank you, express my gratitude to having you on this show. So I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. It's great to be here, and I love working with you. Of course. So first question off the bat, we have never changed this question in almost two years of running the show. I'm really curious, how do you personally define success? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, You know, I believe that success comes 
from within. Mm. And I believe that, you know, like our success, material success, money and all of that is, is wonderful. But if you don't have it connected to who you are internally, then I think there's a problem. And I know that the, the, the people who are coming to me who are highly successful, they are finding that their interior world is, is a little bit bankrupt. Mm. And so I believe that true success is having that interior richness, that interior connected connectedness. And when you do that, then the exterior, how you do that, how you're successful out in the world can look a myriad of ways. It could look like a lot of money. It could look like um, living on the streets with uh, with intention because you don't want to be caught in the rat race. It can look it can look a million different ways. But the key, I believe, is that rich interior, connected up world. I love that. Now I'm really curious to learn when that was instilled in your in yourself, right? Like who was Carla in high school? Let's start there. Who was Carla in high school? What was her dream back then? How was she defining success back then? Gosh, you know, back then I was, um, Ooh, that's a really hard question, Matt. Um, number one, I, my memories are very lacking about back then, but I will say that at that time I was really struggling, uh, internally with a sense of, uh, not belonging, um, some difficult issues in my family that, uh, and, and my sensitive, very sensitive nature, uh, not in a bad way, but just in a, I think in a difficult way to navigate this particular culture, um, very sensitive, kind of artistic. And, and I got very involved in a fundamentalist Christian church, which the best part of that was the sense of finding a place to belong. Mm. The rigidity was not so good, but the sense of belonging, I think at that time when I was really, really struggling, absolutely saved my life. So at that that point, really success looked to me like being the very best Christian I could be. And of course that has changed a good deal for me over the years, but I would say that that was uh, what would define me would it be the very best Christian I could be to care about others, uh, I would say, in, in high school. Right. That's beautiful. Okay. So, and that's very vulnerable of you. And I appreciate you sharing that because that's relatable. Right. And I, I definitely appreciate that. But I'm curious, like, knowing I know you very well, and I'm trying to unravel you in a sense here to make sure that everyone else that's tuned into this can, you know, get the full spectrum of who Carla is. Now, I know your background was, I believe, in psychotherapy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, in my later 20s, I went back to grad school and uh, got a, a master's degree in counseling. And then I set up shop when I was 30 as uh, a, psycho- a licensed psychotherapist. So I did that work for about 15 years. What brought you down that path? What compelled you to go down that path? Well, you know, I was really, really struggling with anxiety, with depression, mm-hmm. with just a tremendous amount of shame. And when I was 25, I think it was 25, right before I turned 26, I got into therapy for myself. And I was trying to unravel just the, the difficult family that I came through. And and I say it's difficult. I mean, it, so many people had it so much worse. And really, I didn't have it that bad. But given 
who I am and my particular personality, it was all pretty dramatic for me and trying to be the peacemaker in the family. And, um, and, and so I got into therapy and honestly, Matt, it, it was just so helpful to sit across from someone who saw me and who validated me and who didn't make me wrong. And so I did that, um, for a couple of years. And then I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I'm going to pursue this. I got some feedback from others that they thought I would be good at it. And so I, I, I did, I pursued it and I stayed in therapy by the way for 16 years. And even since then I turned 60 in two months, even since then I, um, I had a coach or a therapist kind of all along the way because I determined that I needed that kind of support and accountability uh, and, and just someone who was a little more objective sitting across from me, um, kind of mirroring, mirroring back to me right. and kind of guiding me to my own inner light, if you will. Right. That's beautiful. So so, I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so it just, you know, once I got into grad school, I was like, oh, I love this. I absolutely love this. And so then I set up shop as a psychotherapist after that. That's so awesome. I love that. Now, what can you and I do right in this moment on this podcast episode to destigmatize going to therapy? Like, what is that? What is there? I mean, listen, I put myself in therapy, right? I'm open about that. I love it. Like, (laughs) I absolutely love it. And I hired you as a coach, right? So I'm getting it from two different angles. I absolutely love it. I'm just curious, like, what can I do? And what can you do in conjunction here with with the show? What can we do together to destigmatize therapy? Well, I think we've come a huge distance um, right. since, you know, since I began in this in this world, both personally and professionally, 30 years ago is when it all started for me. Well, 35 is when I got into, 35 years ago is when I got into therapy for myself. I think, I mean, I, I just... I think it's changed a lot, Matt. I don't think there's the same kind of stigma that there used to be. I do think that certain personalities um, struggle with it more than others. Um, It may be still that men struggle a little more than women because there's so much pressure for men in this particular culture. I don't know where all your listeners are, but I I know in this particular culture, in Western culture, there's a tremendous amount of um, pressure on men to just keep it. I mean, they get it from the time they're little boys, you know, in fact, I read something the other day, a statistic the other day that said that, that boys are more sensitive than girls up to a certain age. Wow. But there's so much pressure on little boys to just stuff their feelings, to not have their feelings, to be strong and strong in a particular way. Because I believe it's strong to have your emotions. I believe, in fact, it's it's especially in this uh, culture, I believe it's tremendously courageous to have your emotions. But little boys don't get that message. You know, they kind of get the message to cut themselves off from their emotions. And... um, I read something, some, I was thinking, was it you, Matt? But I don't think it was, just about some of the old liter- literary um, hero, male heroes. It wasn't always that way, that, that men could be extremely emotional and cry and, and break down, and, and it was seen as a strength. But that's not the case anymore. So back to your question, I mean, I, I think we're at a time of so much chaos and so much change in our culture right now, in our nation, in the world, really, that I think it's a time that men are being called, uh, and women too, to, to, to show up in their full 
vulnerable, connected up selves. And I think that therapy and coaching is a way to support people to come back to who they truly are at their essence without all of the hiding. So I, right. I mean, I don't know how to answer that question exactly, except for to say it just like you're doing to show up like you're doing and saying, Hey, I've been in therapy. I've been in coaching. You know, I was in therapy for 16 years. I'm in coaching now and um, it's okay. In fact, it, yeah. it, I'll tell you one way I'm rambling, Matt, but, but when, no, you please do, about, please. when you think about the Olympian athletes, or any good athlete, and I know that you have been an amazing athlete in your life, you hire coaches if you want to go to the next level in your game. You just do. Why is it any different in life? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that. And that, that's the mindset I have when it comes to having a coach, when it ha- when it comes to having that support system, right? It, it's unmatched. You know, if you want to go to the next level, you need that, right? There, yeah. There's no other way around it. But how did you get to that place at such a young age as a male from New York, high, you know, high achieving athlete, high achieving businessman? How did you give yourself permission I just want to say thank you. For, before I answer that, I just want to say thank you because you are the second person ever to ask me a question on the podcast. <laughs> that, that's the beauty of conversation, right? That, that is the absolute beauty of it. It was you and Gay Hendricks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gay Hendricks. He I wrote am, the book. of course. Yeah, he wrote the book called The Big Leap, uh, yeah. one of my favorite books. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he credits a lot of his... Um, credits or whatever accolades to Oprah, but he was the first person to do it. You're the second. I I really appreciate it. I think for me, it it just comes down to the fear actually of not reaching my truest potential. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's always that cliche saying, you, you know, you can go fast by yourself, but you can go further with a team. And I believe that you as my coach, I believe that with my therapist, I believe that with, with my naturopath doctor, with my yoga instructor, with my physical trainer, that that's my team. Right. With with my mastermind group of friends that bring business ideas to the table all the time daily. That's my team. And I go further with them. So understanding that I do not want to be my version of mediocre. I want to be, you know, upper echelon and whatever that is for me, the absolute best I could potentially be. That's really what made me want to go that far and and go to the extent of, you know, getting you as a coach and hiring a therapist and going to a naturopath and having medical doctors on my team, so on and so forth. So Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that this message resonates with the individuals that are out there that are kind of on the fence you know, because mm-hmm. I, I've, I've encountered many, honestly, in the, pe- in the course of the last month, uh, individuals that are just sitting on the fence, knowing that they have things in the past um, that are holding them back, whether those are patterns or, um, you know, just traumas in life, regular life experiences that, that they're stuck on. You know, they replay in their head all the time or, you know, just someone in their career that needs maybe a little bit of motivation or from inside, right? Not even from an external, but finding that inside, you know, there, there's a lot of power in it. So I hope that whoever's listening yeah. to this can definitely take that away. Yeah, you, you know, back in the day, you know, like centuries ago, we had tribes, we had large extended families, and we did this for each other. And now we have become so disconnected. And like, like in our country, and I think in a, in, in a lot of countries, we've become like, I'm all for, I, I'm very individualistic, right? I'm all for it. But 
it comes at a cost. And if we're not also well connected, it can, it can, it can harm us. It can really damage us. And so what I love about what you've done, Matt, is you, you know, you have, you have reached beyond your, your wonderful individualism to connect with others and, and you've created your team. I love how you've done that. And I've done the same thing. And, you know, this is a chaotic world we're living in. And I'm sure it's always been so. We see more about it because we've got, we're connected up all across the the nation, but the world. But, you know, we, we need support. We just do. There's no shame in it. In fact, it's, it's an act of, of bravery, I believe. Yeah, 100%. I'm really curious, you know, you were talking about, and this is going to be specific to men in a sense here, but I also think that this relates to women because men often wear the mask of masculinity. In fact, it's actually a book that I have right here back on my shelf by an author named Lewis Howes. He's a phenomenal individual. Uh, He actually is a very, very um, big influence in my life, especially in the podcasting realm. But with that said, you know, you talk about the fact that emotion, we almost become emotionless as men, or at least we just hide it, right? Maybe not emotionless, it's just buried, you know? Mm-hmm. So what is, what does it look like for us to bring that out? You know, I, I, I joke about it, but I'm really serious. Like I didn't cry in a very long time. And recently I let out a, like a, two really good cry sessions. And I was just like, wow, like not for nothing. I felt a lot better after that. Although like i cried because of some pain but at the same time like I cried I'm like yo it was good to express my emotion in that sense yeah so what can we do to bring that out and let's keep it two-sided here what can a woman do to help their man maybe a significant other a boyfriend a brother uh just Mm -hmm. a friend like what can a woman do to help bring that out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know I I think um that you are doing it you being a vulnerable man are giving permission to other men to be vulnerable because look, you're, you're six, five, you're an extreme (laughs) athlete. (laughs) You're, I mean, you're a macho man (laughs) and, and you're doing it and you're showing up and, and it's not destroying you. You know, it's, it, it's, you're not devolving when you go into those emotions. There's something really healing about having your grief, letting it move through you. That's your psychological system actually showing up to heal you, just like your physical body shows up to heal you from a cut. You know, you don't heal your cut. You clean it up and you leave it alone and it heals. You might give it a few stitches if it's deep, but basically your body is healing. Your psychological system is the same. When you, when you kind of leave it, leave it alone and allow it, it will heal. And tears, grief, having those, those um, emotions and, and not getting too attached to them, not collapsing into them, but allowing them to flow through you can be extraordinarily healing. And so you showing up on these podcasts is one of those ways of giving men permission uh, and allowing for that. And women, um, I think they can do that by just being really present for them. You know, women can, um, straight women I'm talking about, straight women who are involved with men can um, say that they want the sensitive kind of guy, but then they really want the guy to be their rock and to be their, their strength. And that, that's changing too in a huge way, but it can be a little bit confusing to the men, the men who um, see the woman saying, be sensitive, be sensitive. But then when you have your tears, sometimes some, some of us women can be like, well, wait a minute, that's a little scary for me. So I think being solid in understanding that emotions are good and healthy and being present um, with one another to give expression to those 
is is can be very helpful. Does that does that make sense, Matt? It makes total sense. In fact, I asked that question on the last podcast I recorded, which I want to say was maybe a week or so ago. And in the context of that conversation, we were actually discussing vulnerability in relationships, right? Because I am a firm believer maybe it's passed on from time to time to time that women look at men as, you know, that, that rock, as you said, right. But then when you bring in some EQ, some emotional intelligence into the situation where a man is in tune with himself, he is intuitive, he knows what he's feeling and he expresses it. My question then was like, how much do you express without having that woman feel some type of way? Because I've been in a situation where the woman was like, you know what, like now I feel like I'm your caretaker. And I'm like, whoa, you're not my caretaker. I'm just being expressive of how I felt. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's really, it's just like a weird situation in a sense, you know, it's like, yeah. do you, and that, I think that and this is full spectrum here, I think that is another reason why men don't even express themselves in a sense, right? That they're, they're hidden because when you are vulnerable, it's like, is there a limit to vulnerability or do you just be honest? You know, it, it's so confusing. Yeah. yeah, it is. And I mean, you, ha- you have to understand that, that it's new on some level for women to be getting this from men when you're mm. vulnerable. So they also have some catching up to do. And, and I think the bottom line I would say to you, Matt, is that you're not responsible for how they respond. You're responsible for being real. You're responsible for being vulnerable. You're responsible for being connected up. And if someone, a woman, whomever, doesn't get it, doesn't understand it, you know, that especially these days online, you're going to have haters. No matter what you <laughs> say, you're going to have haters. So the question is, who is Matt? And will you... Will you give us the gift of expressing who Matt is? Whether or not I get get it, like it, appreciate it or not. But I'll tell you this, Matt, there are going to be a ton of people who are going to appreciate it, right. who are going to be grateful, who are going to grow um, from it, who are going to begin to experiment with being vulnerable themselves because they've seen this man, this strong man do that. Right. So, it, you know, you, you know the difference when you are expressing your emotion and when you are really collapsing into them and buying into them and keeping them alive. Mm. You know the difference in that. And you can yeah. wake up from that in any, in any moment. But men tend to um, stay away from that altogether and not, not have, and I don't want to be too general, it's so many men are coming forward now and being vulnerable and, and connected up. So, uh, you know, it's, it's fewer and fewer are just standing behind that wall of, you know, bravado macho. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. hundred percent. So Carla, talk to me about, I know we kind of just went off on a little tangent there. I'm, I'm excited for these tangents because this is, <laughs> I'm glad you're having fun because I am too. I'm curious, you know, you work with a lot of high performing individuals and I'm just really curious to understand what you feel are like the top three struggles that you're, you know, you witness, right? Um, and I'll be vulnerable here again. You know that I personally move really quick and you and I are working on slowing down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's crazy. I'm reading The Power of Now. I think you and I discussed it. The Power of Now was a book that I didn't understand two years ago when I tried reading it. Like, Mm -hmm. 
I, I was trying. It's funny. I think I read two chapters and I'm going through the book back then and I'm highlighting things. And as I'm going through it now, I'm looking at it. I'm like, why would I even highlight that? But now the book makes sense to me and working with you has made me feel you know, that I need to be more in the now. In fact, I've been doing the exercise that you've given me, that the book's given me. In fact, they're the same exercise, which is crazy. And it works. It freaking works. So, yeah. all right. So like, that's my situation. But what else do you see from a high performer perspective that, you know, we should potentially be aware of? Maybe it's not something that someone that's listening to this season themselves yet, but mm -hmm. being aware from what you're saying could really help and change things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I could answer that question from, from like what I think your problem is versus why you come and hire me. Um, they're the same underneath it all, but, but right. it's a little bit different, but, 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 you know, you just spoke to why you came to me. Um, I have some other high performance, um, high achieving uh, entrepreneurs who uh, they are just frantic, frenetic. Mm. You know, they don't, you know, one, one client says, I, I don't know how to stop and it's killing me. He's extraordinarily successful. All the money in the world. Uh, and he's ruining his health. He's ruining himself. His relationships suffer. His body suffers. And he does not know how to stop. Another high-performing, high-achieving uh, entrepreneur that I work with came to me because he got such quick success and just made a billion, not a billion, but multiple millions of dollars so fast that it actually absolutely undid him. And he went into such despair and anxiety that he was able to find his way through it. But he came to me because he was terrified of going back there. And he didn't know, he didn't understand that number one, he found his way through it. He, he survived it. He found his way through it and he was now holding himself back from giving his all in his business again because he was terrified about going back to that anxiety. So we've had to work mm. through that. So those are some of the situations. But, you know, I would say that, that, you know, and then from my perspective, those are kind of their perspective. From my perspective, it is that the interior world is not matching up with the exterior uh, um, performance, the exterior success, the interior world, they're feeling um, a, a little bit devoid, maybe their relationships may be suffering. Um, there's a bit of emptiness that they're feeling. Right. Um, there's a lack of richness interiorly. They thought that the money, the success, the power would bring them everything they wanted. It didn't. They don't know what they, now what? You know, they've, they've, they've been extraordinarily successful. Now what do I do? You know, um, and then I know for people like you, you want to impact a massive amount of people. And you know that you've got to have your interior and exterior world really matched up if you're going to do that well. Because people want to see, and I think, I don't know if this is maybe more so the case, it feels that way since we've gone online, that people want, they want to be involved with real people. They want to be involved with people who are present who are connected up, who are vulnerable, who are real, you know, the whole realness, you know, it, they want, um, they want to be involved with people that they trust and to trust, they need to see that you're congruent, that you're of integrity. Right. Yeah. That's powerful. That's really powerful. I'm curious what's coming to mind now is matching up that inner and outer world right that, that's something that I'm doing too you know um, from a very young age I realized that I want to say around 21 22 you know that was probably five six years ago in my case 
at that moment, I realized that money wasn't going to make me the utmost happy. It could buy things that make me happy, you know, but that's very short term. Um, yet at the same time, although I was aware of that, I never necessarily changed the way I was living. Right. I, don't get me wrong. I did things to impact, um, which also fulfilled me, but you know, the money thing was still there. So like, how do you match up the inner and outer world? Well, you know, for most of us, Matt, even when we understand on some level intellectually, maybe that money's not, that money's not going to do it. We have to go find out for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, human <laughs> beings just kind of have to go find things out for themselves. So, you know, it, it's okay. I mean, it's okay to go do all that and, and then to find, oh my gosh, you know, I did it kind of the opposite way for whatever reason with my particular personality, my particular beliefs, whatever. I went after the interior success first um, for decades. And, and so my life didn't show a whole lot of outward success in terms of money because I was doing that inner work, which is why I think people hire me now is because, because they can sense that I've done that inner work. And, you know, I, you, you know, you guys are doing all this massive external success work, but, but what you're wanting is that interior. And how do you match that up? I think, Number one, you, you know, in many, many cases, you just have to, you have to go do the outward stuff and find out that it's just, it doesn't give you what you want inside. I think right. that's why a lot of people go through that midlife crisis, you know, is because they, they, they have done some of that work in the exterior world, um, and, but they haven't attended to their interior world. And so the guys and the, the gals, you know, I'm Southern guys and gals, you know, they, you know, they, they have to go kind of, um, you know, I did at 40, I had my, what I call my breakdown breakthrough. Uh, I just couldn't, I just couldn't figure it out, but I kind of had to go to the depths to, to, to do the work I needed to do. And so sometimes that's what has to happen. Sometimes you just have to hit rock bottom. You just have to go all the way down before you can find your way out. And other people like you, Matt, are, are um, just, they're, you know, some of you young people are just figuring this stuff out so much earlier than, you know, my generation. And some of my generation still haven't figured it out, that you've got to get, you You've got to get still on some level. You've got to get still and start listening to your interior. And um, that's what it takes. And that's what you're learning to do by being in the, in the present moment. Being in the now. It's powerful. It is so it's powerful. powerful. It, it's honestly, I started reading the book. Obviously, you and I connected, I want to say, three weeks ago plus. And the impact has been tremendous, right? And the fact that these signs are coming at me from different ways and I've been, you know, practicing what, what we're, you know, what you're teaching me. I've been practicing and it's a game changer. That's exactly why I said I need you on this show because I, I know that the impact that you're going to make on the individuals that listen to this is tremendous, right? So again, I just want to express my gratitude for you hopping on here, but I'm really curious to ask you this question, knowing that you get asked a lot of questions, what is a question you wished more people would ask you and how would you answer it? Oh gosh. Mm. It's a bit of a selfish question. So take your time to think about it. There's no rush here. Um, it, it's a good question. You know, like when you think it's about really it, what question. So ask me again, Matt. What is a question that you wished more people would ask you? 
Mm-hmm. And how would you answer it? So that could be in your sessions as a coach. That could have been in in your past practice as, you know, uh, your past practice. It could have even been maybe a question you wish you would have asked yourself more. You know, mm-hmm. 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 Um, uh, maybe the question would be, well, a question I wish I had asked myself much sooner was, where do I believe my experience comes from? Where do I believe my experience? Talk to me about that because I, I need to understand this. Yeah, yeah. Where do I believe my experience comes from? Because we live in a culture <clears throat> that tells us forever that our experience comes from outside of us. Mm, okay. So um, if I have the money, if I have the good relationship, if I have... Um, good health, if I look a certain way, all of this is outside of ourselves, right? Then I'll be happy. We look to what's out there for our sense of happiness, our sense of well-being, our sense of peace. Right. You know, we, we want peace on earth. I mean, I, of course, I want peace on earth, but that's something outside of me. And and what I've what I'm learning over the decades is that that uh, we create our experience. We have our experience of the world from within. So um, so the answers we're looking for are within ourselves. Right. And so I was always in my therapy for many many years as a as a client, and then also as a therapist. What I was trying to do as a client and as a therapist was, okay, all this stuff is happening out here, right? Now the question is, how do I manage it? How do I mitigate everything and and try to find some level of happiness and peace? And what I didn't understand was that actually how I was looking at all of this was what um, was giving me my experience of the world. And neuroscience backs this up, Matt, that um, we don't actually see what's out there. We see our perception of what's out there. This is what neuroscience. So let me tell you a little story. Imagine this. Imagine that you and I are in a room together and, um, and someone walks in with a Doberman. Okay. Now let's say um, you freak out about the Doberman. And right. let's say that I am like, I light up at the Doberman. Come to find out that when you were a little boy and you were riding your bike down the road, a loose Doberman came and attacked your bike and bit your foot and you fell off your bike and you hurt yourself. Let's say I grew up with Dobermans and I just adore them. So when this Doberman comes in the door and you see the Doberman and you're freaked out and I see the Doberman and I light up, who's right? Everyone's perception is different. That's so powerful. Yeah, but and so, but who is right? I mean, I'm right in a sense. You're right in a sense, right? Well, I would say that's what most people say. I would, I would suggest that neither of us is right because the truth mm. is we're looking at that dog through our perception. I have no idea if that dog is a therapy dog or a vicious Doberman. So if I light up and run up to that dog and it's vicious, I'm in trouble. Right. And then no matter how frightened you are, if that dog is a therapy dog, 
you, you know, you could be flailing your arms and that dog is going to be gentle and loving. So neither of us is right because we don't know that particular dog. Right, right. So, so it's like we, we have to check ourselves on our perceptions. And that's where we have, it's why on a, on a given day, I can drive my car and somebody pulls in front of me and one day I flip them off. And the next day I'm sending them all kinds of love and light because I'm worried about them. Right. Them pulling in front of me has nothing to do whatsoever with how I feel about it. It's my perception. It's a story I'm telling in the moment about that driver, which is why some days it bothers me and some days it doesn't. It's the same thing. It's the same situation. Does that I agree. Make sense? It makes a ton of sense. In fact, I, I can't stop smiling because... I needed to hear that breakdown, right? Like it's one thing to understand the terminology, like everyone has their own perception of things, but when you break it down like that, and it's, it's crazy to think like it really comes down to your life's experiences, how you were brought up, the culture you were brought up within your household, your friends, the school you went to. I'm, I'm sitting here in awe because I'm just like, wow, not for nothing. It's not that I never it's not that I never respected other people's perception, but if they didn't really align with mine, I guess I kind of outcasted them in a sense, you know? Yeah. yeah. And well, I, I think well, we do that. Yeah. And what's beautiful about this understanding, Matt, is that, that now I, I have a tremendous amount of uh, compassion for people who don't think the way I think, who don't believe mm. the way I think, but believe. Because when I see you doing something that I think is outrageous, <laughs> that might really upset me uh, on one hand, I, I can remind myself if I believed what Matt believed, I'd be doing and saying and acting the same exact thing, same way as he is. And it gives me a great deal of compassion now, you know, so, um, you know, I, I have very strong political beliefs and, and um, very strong social justice beliefs. And I can get like really upset if, if you don't buy into my beliefs, sure. but then I can relax when I remember that you are living out your beliefs just as I'm living out my beliefs. And it gives me a lot more compassion. And when I can, can center myself, ground myself, come to the present moment and respond however I want to politically or social justice, um, whatever the case may be, I can do it from a, a place of compassion and clarity that mm. I can't do when I'm just so angry with you or, or right. whomever. Does that right. make sense? You know, it makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. I love then that. I can speak from a place of clarity, knowing that I don't have to try to, to change your mind. I just have to show up in the world yeah. and my best gifts and my understanding as I have, as I have it. I love that. Another story that I, I want you to share is the one that you shared with me about the teddy bear, because I think that ties oh, okay. into, I think that ties into what, and it's a lot of this is coming full spectrum, you know, regarding outside in, inside out. So uh, that teddy bear story really hit home with me. And I think that you elaborating on that some more really reinstills the whole purpose of living from the inside out versus outside in. Cool. Thank you for bringing that up, Matt. Yes. Um, I think when we first met, I said, I thought that hum I believe that humans basically have two problems. We've forgotten who we truly are at our essence and we have too much on our minds. Right. And when we have too much on our minds, we really can't access who we, 
who we truly are. So the story about the teddy bear is, you know, you, you, um, you give a little child a teddy bear and they love that teddy bear. They can't, you know, they can't start squeezing that teddy bear. They talk to that teddy bear. They have all these amazingly good, good feelings about this teddy bear. And they believe with all their heart that that teddy bear loves them. I had, I probably had a hundred stuffed animals as a kid. I was just so into little <laughs> stuffed animals. And I mean, I loved them and they loved me. And now as a parent, right, as an adult, we look at that. And when you take that teddy bear and you cut that teddy bear open, are there all those feelings inside that teddy bear? No, no. No, there's stuffing. We know that it's just stuffing. We know that that teddy bear is an inanimate object that has no feelings, no love, no nothing. All of that love, <clears throat> all of that joy, all of that well-being that that child believes lies in that teddy bear is within the child. Right. It's the child. It's the child that has all those feelings, all those good feelings, all that love. It's not the teddy bear. So you and I as adults can look at that and go, oh, yeah, we know that that teddy bear. But then when we grow up, right, we believe that this money has, you know, is that feeling of success. We believe that this relationship is that feeling that we believe that this vacation is that feeling of well-being and joy. Mm. And it's not. It's all those feelings that we generate are from within us. They have nothing to do with what's out there. We generate, that is what we, that's how we came into this world. We came and when you look at a child, you see that innate well-being, that innate resilience, joy, curiosity, that's all within us. So when we're looking for success out there, we're misguided because mm. that it doesn't exist out there. It only exists within us. I love that. I needed to hear that. I, I need to hear that often. Uh, yeah, and too, any, yeah, we, we all do. We really all do. That is, it's so powerful. And well, what, what, what did that story do for you? Well, I just think it brings about a different perspective of it for me, right? Meaning when, sure, I know that I should be living inside out, right? And I said it, even from an early age, 21, 22, I was making a great amount of money at that age, even though I failed out of college, my mother was battling cancer at that point. I was making so much money and realizing that this wasn't helping anything. So I realized that in that moment, but at the same time, I never grasped the, the way that that story helps me grasp it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think about it, like I, I had an attack, well, not an attachment, but I had a love for, for so many things as a kid. And then I realized like, after you told me that it's like, all right, the love wasn't coming from the bear. It was coming from me. Even if you go to build a bear workshop and they make you do all these things with stuff in the animal, rubbing the heart, putting the heart to your chest, like <laughs> the love still comes from you, you know, like yeah. no matter what, yeah. it still comes yeah. from you. So that story just brings about the reassurance of the point that I already knew, but in a different way. Right. And that's what I really appreciate about working with you, Carla, is the fact that and even being able to amplify this message to everyone that tunes into the show. The way you break these things down is really refreshing. It's more humanized. It's example based and it's relatable. Right. It's not it's not textbook like A, B, C, D, E. It's it's relatable. It's something that we've all been through. I'm sure everyone that listens to this show at some point had something, whether even if it wasn't a bear growing up or a stuffed animal, like they had mm -hmm. something, you mm -hmm. know. So for me, that's what really did it was just shining a light 
on that same point, but in a different way, you know? Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's great. Yeah. Good it. stuff. Awesome. So I, I always ask these three questions on the way out of the show. I know we have some time here, so I want to make sure that I'm getting to them now. Again, you added a ton of value here and I'm in awe. Like I'm, I'm really in awe and I'm really grateful to be able to amplify this. So my first question is, what is a piece of advice that Carla didn't want to hear at the time it was given to her, but it ended up proving to be true? I tell you the thing that came, comes to my mind, I was with my particular personality and being a therapist and a coach and analyzing everything to death and just wanting to know the meaning of everything and being a sensitive kind of artistic type. Um, and so I, I went through a lot of drama in my life. And I remember when that song came out and I don't know how this will really tell my age. I don't remember how long ago it was, but, um, well, even the newer song, uh, what was that? Song? Um, what was that song that, um, Oh gosh, that you know, just be happy, song. Oh, or, but uh, be happy. Is that the one you're talking? Well, I'm a terrible yeah, singer. Well, wow, I can't believe I just did that. There's an older <laughs> one, and then there's a newer one. Um, there's a really popular one that's in the last ten years about. Being Is it happy. the Pharrell song "Happy"? Yes, that's one of them. And then there's an Pharrell? older one I'm thinking of. And I just remember, you know, just I just believed that I was miserable back then because of my childhood and my alcoholic mother and my divorced parents and my rigid father. And, right. you know, and, 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 and as I got older, it was, there, it, it, it became other, other things it's because this person's not whatever. And, you know, because I don't have any money over here because I just thought all that was why I was unhappy. And I didn't want to hear somebody telling me that that wasn't true. <laughs> Mm. I just couldn't hear it for a long, long time that um, the happiness it, it comes from within. It right. doesn't come from without. And, and we know this from um, people like Viktor Frankl, who, who lived through a con co concentration camp. We know this from um, 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 Christopher Reeves, who was paralyzed from a horse accident. Uh, and he found great joy as, as a paralyzed man. I mean, we can I can give you countless um, examples of people who have found happiness despite horrendous situations, you know, people who've recovered from rape, people who have recovered from abuse. Um, happiness comes from within. It, it's not about what happens out there. And there's a huge, there can be a huge resistance to it, but there's incredible power because as long as I believe happiness exists outside of me, i I'm a victim and all I can do is try to rearrange the deck chairs. All I can do is try to mitigate, try to manage. And it leaves me in a horrible, horrible place. But when I realize that happiness, well-being, resilience, all of that is an inside job and, and exists within us. That's innate. We come into this world with that. Then um, I'm no longer victim. Right. I'm no longer victim. There's a tremendous amount of power, but there's also resistance because we live in a culture that is constantly telling us, you got to have this, you got to do that. You've got to look this way. You've got to get thinner. You've got to go get your Botox. You've got to go be more successful. You've got to be more powerful. You know, we, we believe it. And innocently, of course we would. We've been taught it all of our lives. So yeah. I would say, I would say that that would be it. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate that share and I appreciate the vulnerability again. And, and like you said earlier, you know, a lot of us, 
have to find out for ourselves when it comes to that. So hopefully mm-hmm. people that are listening to this, if they're, if they find themselves in the situation, or even if they know someone that may be in that situation, hopefully this shines a light to at least become more aware of it and or make the change. Right. And that alone would be really monumental. So again, I appreciate you sharing that, but you know, you told me the piece of advice you didn't want to hear. What was a piece of advice that you were ecstatic to hear that you were like, whoa, this is life changing. Well, eventually that was the same advice. Right. You know, right. Is that, I mean, I would say event, eventually I, I, it was just the most amazing thing to discover that what I have always been seeking out there resides within me. Right. Um, I mean, I think that's the best news is that, that, um, is that, that it, that it res- resides within me. And, and it's a matter of remembering it's, it's remembering who I truly am at my essence and taking things off my mind so that I, so that I can have more clarity and so that I'm able to access my own wisdom, my answers, my resourcefulness, my resilience, my well-being, my peace, my love, and so on and so forth. Exactly. Okay, I would say they're cool. both the same. Yeah, no, that, that's beautiful. I love that. So if Carla could only give one piece of advice for the rest of her life, meaning if Carla was on more podcasts, if Carla was writing books, if she was in coaching sessions, if she was doing whatever she was doing in situations where she could be giving advice, but you could only give one piece of it, what would that advice be? If I could, oh, that's, that's rough because like three things come to my mind. But, if but you I can tell me all three. <laughs> you can tell me all three. No rules here. Well, I'll tell you the three and then I'll, and then I'll tell you the one. Okay. But, you know, but, but I mean, you, and you've, you've said it, which is, you know, we've got to center ourselves in the present moment. Mm. You know, we, the, the, where we feel so stressed out and so anxious is when we are either reliving the past, which no longer exists, by the way, except for in our imagination, it's over. We only now live our past in our imagination. But when we go back there and dwell there, and I think it's very important, I just want to say, to go back and visit and do some healing. I'm not suggesting that you just block out your past. I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting that you don't live there, that you don't take right. up residence there. And the same about the future. We, we expend so much energy imagining, and it's an imagination, our future when, when we have no idea... We have no idea how the future is going to happen. And listen, we're living in a, in a year that, that, you know, has thrown out everything we thought was good, how this year was going to be. We're living in the middle of a pandemic. And, and the thing is, we, it's all an imagination about what's going to happen. And again, I'd say it doesn't mean we don't prepare for the future, but if we're not centered firmly in the, in the present, the present moment is the only place we have access to our answers about how to move forward. It's the only place we have access to that information. And so that was one thing I would say is get yourself firmly planted in the present moment. But the main thing I would say, is, and, and, and the other thing is, you know, take things off your mind. Don't add more stuff to you. <laughs> take things off yeah. your mind. But the one piece of advice I would have is, you know, come back to who you truly are. Remember who you are, your star stuff, your divinity. You have everything you need to navigate this life. 
And the only problem you have is that you've forgotten who you are and you have too much on your mind. And when you can come back to who you are and take things off your mind, then you're going to have your clarity available to you about how to move forward. You're going to have that. And, and listen, life is a challenge. I'm not saying, you know, come back to who you are and take things off your mind and life will be peachy keen. Uh, of course not. <laughs> you know, life is challenging. Life is a, is a freaking, you know, um, roller coaster ride, man. But, right. but when we are clear, when we're standing in our clarity of who we truly are, then we can navigate our way even through complete paralysis, as we've seen, even through a concentration camp, even through the horrible injustices that have happened in our world, we can find our way forward and we can stand in our, in our strength and in our power and in our divinity, in our star stuffness. And, and then um, we know, because see, at our essence, Matt, we can never be damaged. Our bodies can be harmed. You know, we, we can be cut. We can have psychological wounds. But at our very, very essence, nothing can harm us. I love that. And, you know, and one thing hard. that I – yeah, 100%. So before I, before I let you go, I want to respect your time. But something came up. You know, when you were talking earlier about, you know, being in the present and, you know, revisiting the past, thinking about the future, being imaginative. One thing I just read was that that's ego in a sense, right? Like the ego exists only when you go to the past, only when you go to the future. And when I was reading that, I'm like, holy shit. Like it was a holy shit moment. I've had a few yeah. of them recently. Yeah. And I, I don't remember word for word what I was reading, but basically it was in the context of, you know, your ego exists based off your past experiences, your achievements, etc. And it's looking for you to achieve more or looking for you to do more in the future, you know? So in the present, ego doesn't really exist in a sense, which yeah, is and, and, really powerful. And, and yeah, and, and we, you know, we need our egos to navigate this right. life, right? But, but, what, but we need it to not be in the driver's seat. <laughs> like you said, yes, you've told me yeah. this. You've told me this. it needs to be in yeah. the back seat. Yeah, I mean, but we've got to have our ego. I mean, like, like, you look at, at um, Eckhart Tolle and he, he um, had his enlightenment experience and then he sat on a bench for six months because he was basically didn't have his ego available to him. And he basically, he needed to sit on that, on that to, to deepen his enlightenment and to get embody and stuff. But basically he couldn't function in the real world. Right. So we need our ego online. The problem is when we believe that we are our ego mm. and when we no longer um, are, are in touch with our deeper, truer, essential self. And when we let our ego drive, that's when we're in trouble. That's when like one of my uh, entrepreneurial clients, um, he recognized that his ego was totally driving it to the point it was killing him. Right. And so he had to wake up to that and get back in touch with who he is and, and learn to get still, which is really, really challenging for him. It is. It is. Well, Carla, listen, I just want to say thank you again. I really appreciate being able to amplify this message. Uh, question for you before I say, you know, we could find you in the show notes. Are you still doing those clarity calls, which is how you and I got connected? Is that available to the guests of the show? It is. I offer a free um, call because I, number one, I want to make sure that 
whoever I work with, we have a really strong connection. Right. I want to make sure to understand what they're dealing with so that I know if I can help them or not. Right. And thirdly, I want them to get a sense of how I work. Um, so I never, I never want to take money until all those things are cleared up because I want, um, my work is, you know, I don't do one, as you know, I don't do one off coaching sessions, um, because the work I do is deep transformative work and that mm -hmm. takes some time. And so I want people to know what they're getting into before they sign up with me. So yes, I always offer a, a clarity call. I love free. that. Okay, great, great. So I'm going to have your social handles, your website where people can get you, the Clarity Call, et cetera, in the show notes of this episode. I want to make sure that I'm driving as many people to you as possible because I know how valuable your work really is, especially for me, which I'm grateful for as well. But Thank again, you. Carla, I love this. Thank you so much. Yeah, me too, Matt. I love you and I love working with you and I appreciate this opportunity. So thank you so much. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, from my friend, my coach, now our friend, Carla Royal. I want to make sure that you're checking her out. I want to influence you to take that step up to the plate and swing the bat. It's one thing to be in the batter's box. It's another thing to actually take action when the pitches are coming. This right here is a pitch. It is a fastball. It's coming right down the plate. There should be no hesitation in swinging that bat. It's hitters count. Make sure that you and hey, I love baseball. So that was like a really great baseball tangent right there. I might have to use that more often, but seriously, this is an awesome opportunity for you to take up Carla, especially on that free clarity call to see if you're someone that fits and if she fits for you, right? It's a two-way street. It's symbiotic. So make sure you're taking her up on that. You could check all of her socials, her website, where you can get that free clarity call in the show notes of this episode. Again, I want to emphasize the importance of making sure you're sharing the value within this episode. If this resonated with you on any level, make sure that you're sharing it with the people in your circle, your group chats, your masterminds, etc. If you're tuned in from Apple or iTunes, leaving a rating and review. Listen, I'm not asking for five stars. I just want your genuine feedback as to how you feel like we can continue to grow this show into what can be the biggest beacon of light out there, the biggest beacon of positivity and experiences and value. So make sure you're sharing it. Make sure you're leaving a rating and review. And until next time, everyone be blessed. Peace.